Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. Today in the show, Mark Zanotti, a former Australian rules footballer playing with the West Coast Eagles, Brisbane Bears and the Fitzroy Football Club. He played 157 AFL matches before moving to the UK to found the London Griffins, now called the Putney Magpies. Post-sport, he's a landscaper, he built his own house, loves gardening, is a lead singer and guitarist in a band, and is known as the Wild Man. And David Hines, a former Australian baseballer representing Australia at the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. Post-sport, he's a lawyer, property developer, and frustrated guitarist, and is a great mate of mine, and has an awesome bar at home called the Dave Cave. Let's get started. Welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Mark Zanotti. Well, welcome, Mark. Yeah, welcome, boys. <laughs> Happy to be here. Fantastic. And another guy called David Hines is a very good mate of mine. Welcome, Hinesy. Thank you very much, Shane. Nice to be here. I want to thank you both for coming on the show. I want to start with you, Mark. Yeah. Who gave you the nickname Wild Man? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, Rex Hunt, actually. Right. And uh, when Rex and Sam Newman used to... Uh, do their show. Well, Rexy got in a bit of trouble, but he was a very popular fella, and um, yeah, just one day, I think he just threw it up. Here comes the wild man from Borneo. I think he said the wild man from Zambezi originally. Oh, really? And then uh, once he said it, it caught, and like, Rexy gives you nicknames to everybody, and once it stuck, that was it. So I think I grew into the character more than the character nice. was first. Nice. I wasn't sure because they always say that sportsmen have daughters. I know you've got four. Yeah. Four daughters. Heinz, you've got two. Yeah. Well, I've got two as well. Um, so I thought it might have been something to do with that. It might be karma, mate. But uh. Well, it probably is karma. But, but once you'd had one daughter and two daughters, I just wanted three and four daughters. Yes. You might as well just keep it nice you know, one. a straight suit. Now, now Heinz, you, um, I want to talk about... Uh, playing sport and then life after sport and both got very different careers but for, for a young Australian um, generally we, we grew up with AFL or cricket in the summer um, yep. maybe a bit of soccer rugby league depending if you're on the eastern seaboard how do you get into baseball as a kid? Well, funnily, you with your cricket background, um, it used to be back in the day, cricket in summer and baseball in winter. So mm. people like Ian Chappell, Neil Harvey, yep. Norm O'Neill, um, Alan Borda, his brother John, they all um, played baseball in winter and, and cricket in summer. And then... Um, and I was started playing cricket. My old man had thrown balls to me as a kid, and I think I played. You know, I was under 12s, and I was opening batsman. And the kid had a run up from behind the soccer post that was still on the ground there, right. and, and this, you know, and he got me out first ball, and then second innings. I think the same thing happened, and my father thought, "Shit, what have I done with all these years of throwing in my son? Why don't you go and play baseball?" So you know, started playing baseball and sort of took to it and uh, you know you don't really know where it's going to lead it's just you're a young kid and the next thing you know uh, you're off to trips overseas and, and then ultimately the Olympics and, yeah. and, and then these days you know there's probably uh, hundreds of Australian kids at college in America yep. plus there's a bunch of them playing pro ball in the States which we do really really well as a country we sort of certainly you know punch above our weight gotcha. for um, for young baseball kids and uh, doing some reading I've mean, known you for years but um, your dad was an insomniac and you always had this dream as a kid to be, to go to the Olympics yep. but but it was as, as, as a middle distance runner <laughs> no no that's right <laughs> come on mate that's like me to want, to want to be a gymnast <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why I'm on a podcast on a television um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. He, he, I used to get up 
people, it, it's insane. Like, I used to get up as a 13, 14, 15 year old kid growing up in Western Sydney. I would run to Parramatta Pool, um, which would be 10K, swim in the pool, and I wanted to be a marathon runner um, at the 2000 Olympics. We didn't even know when they were on. Yeah. And, um, and I sort of yeah. trained really hard. And, there, and the thing was, there was this. You'd be in this pool and you had to put like five cents in to get hot water out at the, at the pool. Right. And there was this guy there who was um, swimming and, and I heard from the guy who used to run the pool that this bloke wanted to be a swimmer at the 96 Olympics. And he and I had like saw each other for years and years and years in the, in the showers and you know, you're getting up and we never said a word to one another. And then long story short, I go... You married him. <laughs> and we never, we never, we never, we never spoke to another. And I walk into the opening ceremony of the '96 Olympics, Bullshit. and he's there. No way. And, 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 wow. and we saw each other, and we both recognised each other, and we didn't say a word to one another. And his name's Dan um, Burke, and he made it as a um, uh, kayaker. So not, wow. a, so not a swimmer. Not as a no, swimmer. Wow. Right. And then, and then years later, I'm talking to all my other mates, telling them that story, and they go, "He's such a great guy." And I go, "I know, but we never ever said hello the first time we ever met." So then, after that, you know. It was just hilarious. But how did two young kids who, you know, you know, where does your motivation come from? Because you're two young kids both wanting to sort of achieve stuff. You don't really know um, where it's going to land, but you obviously got a bit of drive about you. And just to have mm. the two of us randomly, yeah. you know, make it, it in different sports. Way, yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. I have to find, yeah, with kayakers and, and rowers, you spend half a life going backwards. Don't you? Anyway, that's another story. <laughs> now, now, Mark... Um, AFL for you. Now, Zanotti doesn't really... That sounds more Italian to me. Well, yeah, it does sound Italian, but you could be Indigenous too because yes. there's Rioli and, yes. you know... Yeah, yeah. yeah who knows? Yeah. <laughs> no, but so was, was, was AFL always your thing? I started out, obviously, you know, having a kick with Dad, but I was probably a runner. Right. It's funny you yeah, talk wow. about the Olympics, you know, like I was a 400, 100, 200 metre runner um, to state level and then go away and compete against right. the Vicks right up to 17. Most guys drop out of athletics by then. And I, I just loved it, you know. So I kept doing it to 17, then footy kicked in. But also, with the athletics, I didn't like the solo thing. Yeah. 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 You know, before a 400, I was just shite. You know, it was just too much. Where with the footy team, you got a team, a great bunch of blokes. And, um, yeah, I just preferred the team sport. But... You know, you were fast, which gave you a massive advantage in AFL. Well, yeah. in any sport, really. So you had that tick to start Speed's with. But I did surf club and, you know, state teams in that. Again, not really me cup of tea, but Dad would just put me in everything. You know, you play basketball at school. Yep. You know, the whole lot. But, uh, yeah, footy was the thing. Dad played rugby, actually. Okay. So, you know. Because um, you were regarded in your time as one of, one of the toughest defenders. Um, and, and people would say that you were so fit, you could almost train on your own. Yeah, yeah. I drank and smoked a lot, but I was very fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, look, I used to say, because I smoked and I was sponsored by Quit at Fitzroy, and it just didn't, <laughs> didn't go, you know. But I always I said, I always so said well. we did that much running. <laughs> yeah. I don't think... The smoke had time to stay in my lungs to be honest. <laughs> All I did was run and run and run. And as a defender, who, who was the, the, the hardest guy that um, you played on in your time? Does anyone stand out? You would have played in the 90s there. You got some real, oh, really big names. All good, you know, like, and, yeah, towards the end there, because I started on a half back. I had Ross yep. Glendinning and that at centre yep. half back, which was just an honour to be in that team as a young fella. And he taught me a lot, uh, half back. And then I went to Brisbane and I was again sort of half back. And then, not bad move, full back got injured. 
don't play a good game of fullback because you'll never leave there. Yeah. But the funny thing is, all the wild men and all the culture and my almost image became bigger because I was on your lockets, your dunstals, yeah. you know, your ablets. Gotcha. So I didn't mind it because I, I liked playing on a good player because it almost showed how good you could be. That's you right. Know? That's so, and you're concentrating on that prick all day. So uh, great fellas. Uh, always said my toughest opponent was my first wife, to be quite honest. <laughs> 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 Would you notice the difference when you're playing a plugger or someone like that? Like, yeah, well, I, plugger was an interesting one because I, I only ever really played on plugger bits and pieces because he was a bit it's more solid, you know. Yeah. But Dunstall and Ablett, my God, you you, you just got to be on your game. And the guys, Dunstall never missed, did he? He never missed. You cannot give him a shot. No. A very talented man, but he also had Jarman and that yeah. the lace out in the hole and Ablett. Ablett, he didn't need anyone. That bloke. That no. bloke. He was the only one out of all of them, those three anyway, and I could go on Minton Connell. There was a lot of good full forwards, but Ablett was the only one that chased you. Right. So it got to a stage when you're playing a fullback, you know, it's just aiming at him, yeah. aiming at the full forward. So my trick, because I was a runner, was, righty, oh, bugger you, I'm going to bounce down the field and set something up. So yeah. at least the coach would go, can someone bloody get on yeah. tonight? Yeah. So... So I used the attack as my weapon to ah. to, to make them Tire look. Them out. Well, just make them look ordinary yeah. if anything, because it's all. He's right. only kicked ten, but you ran yeah, down the field yeah, a bit. Yeah, twenty-seven. Yeah. No, because <laughs> when you when you're playing the in the back line, you could get you know twenty-seven possessions. Your bloke only needs to get four and kick three-one, and you've played yeah. an average game. So yeah. you know you had to sort of try to turn your defence into attack, and they do that a lot now. You know, they do. Yeah. I, I grew up on rugby league, and the first ever live AFL game was when I was at the Crude Academy in Adelaide, nineteen ninety-four, and I and I was a unbelievable match. It was um, the year that Tony Modric kicked 100 mm-hmm. um, and I saw Gary Ablett Senior, he kicked nine goals this game. I think it was eight or nine goals. Yeah, and I stood right behind the post to, and watched him and it was like how strong he was. It's like, my yeah. God. It's very interesting you bring up the rugby because when I was in London, uh, Bill Calcraft who played for Australia for yep. uh, Rugby Union and, and he was the I think the Penguin Sevens coach at that stage yep. and he knew people I knew. He took me, because I was on to him about this kicking... I said, why do you do this Gary Owen thing? You boot it miles in the air. Yeah. No one's got a chance of getting it. And he goes, oh, it creates havoc. I said, in Aussie rules, if you're 30 out or 40 out, just put it at 45 degree angle and you'll get the, just train a guy who can run down and they do it now. Yeah, take a hang. This is 1999. So he took me out to meet, um, uh, the, the, he was coaching Wales at Graham Henry. Yep. And um, another guy, I think his name was Graham Aldred, he'd come from the American football and he was teaching them the same thing. And I had to go down and teach these guys how to kick the ball. And I couldn't work out also why they kick it 40 metres into the crowd and 10 metres down the line. And it takes so hard to get the crowd. Why wouldn't you kick it 50 down the line and 10 over? So I had this big meeting. It was unreal. And a big ride-up in rugby world. and yeah, no, it was, Not that common. And now they do it. Now they do it a little bit more. And it yeah. is Ralph Lau. And these guys used to come in and take the nice hang, you know, because yeah. I just don't know why they don't do that. It, it's probably cheating in their world. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's take a little break now. We're here at District Brassery, and we're back because I have had withdrawal symptoms, and um, I can't wait to have the hanger steak once again cooked on charcoal. It's magnificent. For entrees, the oysters are fantastic here. So is the octopus. We'll have some of that, uh, maybe some of those um, char-grilled prawns as well. Uh, of course, we'll have a little O'Brien beer, maybe some chips on the side, and uh, maybe a glass of Chardonnay. Let's get started. 
In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Now, now, Hyde, I want to talk about the moment you get selected to be an Olympian. Yes. It's one thing you can never be, take away from you. From, from, from that day onwards, you are known as an Olympian. Yes. How did that feel? And what was it like, 1996 Atlanta? Uh, it's, it was, um, it was co- a bit odd because the way that we, we, was, we always start off with a, you know, 40 people and then it, and it comes down to the final 20. Yep. And um, we're all going back to this place in Florida where we were based called Melbourne, ironically. Yep. Um, and the coach, we're all going to get told that day, so you're all very nervous. And then we're just in Atlanta airport, and then I'm sitting there just looking at, in a bookshop or something, and the coach comes up and tells me I made the team, which was sort of great because I didn't expect yeah. to be told till later. Uh, so it was pretty, you know... Pretty amazing, and then and there's no mobile phone, so you, you sort of sneak off to a little you know payphone to ring yeah. mum and dad. And then, Try and find a fax. And then there's another bloke from the team whispering to his mum and dad. Oh, and so the wow. coach ended up telling everybody. Um, and then some of the guys that we worked it out had missed out, and they didn't, you know, oh, they yeah, didn't know. Yeah. And one guy he told at the airport, you know, and the guy didn't even bother going back to Melbourne. He just got on a plane, and and his parents were coming over they thought he was a chance to make it so it's pretty it's pretty ruthless and and that the coach was american so he, in american baseball they've just got such a uh, you know like so many kids coming through and and if they cut you they just go and put a little red tag on your locker and you're out you know there's no sort of mentoring or it's ruthless yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and did you play with uh, is it nielsen yeah dave yeah jeez yeah because yeah, i've sort of because i was in queensland he, i followed his career a bit he, yeah. he did well didn't he he did he was he made it when he was um, so a lot of those guys, they made the call to go over early, and Nielsen's probably in our top two, one or two players. Yeah. He's played the, yeah, he's, and he's, he's our national coach now. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. and, um, but, mate, he could hit. And uh, I remember actually playing him at um, where the Bears used to play at... Uh, Carrara. Carrara. Yes, yeah. And I'm standing that far back from first base when he's hitting, and I'd never heard of the bloke before, and the coach keeps going, go further back, go further back. I'm like, really? I never played this far back <laughs> in my life. It, and yeah. then Wooshka, you know, he's the shit out of it at you. And, uh, <laughs> he's, you he's, could, he's, he's a short catcher, yeah? He's a catcher, yeah. 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 And then, you know, big, big, like, just big Queensland. Like, like your state of origin when every year they just pull out another front row you've never heard of. <laughs> and really nice. Every year. <laughs> and and it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Like they breed them up there. <laughs> 
and he's a big unit. His brothers are big blokes as well. So, um, and then you yeah, go in the opening ceremony, and yeah, Muhammad Ali was there oh, and wow. lit the thing, and, yeah. and then I ran into that bloke who I didn't yeah. know. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 brilliant. But uh, look, not, not only did you get selected, but you did really well. I think you were our, our top batter, and I think obviously you were up there in the, in the overall for the whole tournament. Yeah, you? You yeah, yeah, I did, and, and, and but I played for Australia for a few years before that, and I never ever really played as well as I could and I did at the Olympics which was great Boom. and then you know and I was 25 and I, you know there was like the chance maybe to go and play professionally of course and then you know like so, so I want to ask you about that so you said after you, you go to the the nice Olympics and you go and spend a week or so with the Chicago Cubs yep. and you, you were at the time you were playing for Sydney University you're studying to be a lawyer and yeah. at that time and you had this dinner with these guys are professional sportsmen right. who are earning <laughs> millions of dollars yep what was that dinner like? Because I think the way you described it wasn't the way that most people would expect. No, no. It's a, yeah, yeah. So I was um, I'm there in it was in New York and the Cubs had just played there and I went back and, and I'm in this um, hotel bar and they're all looking down the line up and there's this guy earns 15 million a year, this guy earns 10 million a year, this guy earns 5 million. They're just all sitting there just, you know, they play 164 games in 168 days. It's, that was boring as batshit. Were they chewing, were they chewing tobacco? <laughs> no, no, they weren't. No. I, mean, I don't think they just, they, they fly around like, and, and you don't have any behavioural problems in MLB. You, you don't, like, you don't have, have any, because they haven't got time. They get weeded out by the time they get there. They just, they play, they get in a plane, they go play again, and it's, you know. They haven't got time to scratch their ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of time during the game to scratch your ass, because it doesn't exactly go very quickly but but then I, but I remember that Sydney Uni um, where you know I'm playing for them and I've got on the bench looking down the say the bench there's you know Andrew Bell who's Rhodes Scholar former world debating champion there's you know some guy who's an expert in um, science there's you know another guy smoking a joint there's a, <laughs> you know, so it was like so much I made so many more friends out of that sort of having fun experience with the university and, and um, as opposed to to being professional yeah. and, and realistically like I, I was playing the best I'd ever played and and I wasn't good enough to make it like I, yeah. I, I might have been able to hit well enough maybe but I wasn't fast enough and oh, like okay. there's you know so the guy who was like the left fielder for Chicago Cubs like the ball would be hit 30 metres away yeah. I would be not even halfway to when he's catching it. He's that much faster. And I'm like not, not a bad player. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but and maybe I hit even better than him. But it was just because they've got you've got the to be you've got to be everything. You've got to be everything. Yeah. That was all before Moneyball. Where, yeah. where Moneyball now they they, they can really just you know mathematically work out yeah you know, and statistics are big in everything these days yeah, but it's always yeah. been in baseball very yeah. strong yeah. yeah well how did Babe Ruth go around he couldn't run too fast no but he could hit he could hit, he, he, he he better, hit better than Dave Nielsen yeah okay <laughs> yeah right right right, right. now, now, now Heinz is now in, in property developing and but Mark um, I want to ask you this question so you're a you're a landscaper but you built your own house up in the hinterland in the Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. Talk, like, talk me through that. Well, when I first went up there, like obviously I'd come from West Coast and yep. bought a little block of land. Some guy was doing the Brisbane Bears thing, you know, hey, boys, yep. buy this land as part of the deal. So we all bought yep. in a street. I had Mark McClure across the road. <laughs> I had Roger Merritt next door. We all had our little two acres. Yep. You know, the whole street, they called it Bearsville. Like every single bike <laughs> was from the Bears, and we bought yeah. all this stuff, you know. So then um, 
they all got builders in, but I, you had that much time on your hands because obviously you're a professional footy player. Yeah. I think I had a pool cleaning business or something. Yeah. Yeah, just so you didn't have to go to all the other, you yeah. know, I'd done all the hospitals and all the schools no. and that when I was younger, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I'm thinking, if you haven't got a job, so yeah, I'm pool cleaner, <laughs> mate. I'm a pro- anyway, I, I knew a bloke who was out of work and I said, mate, let's just draw up some plans and build the house. And my dad was a plumber, so I had a fair idea and grabbed a few mates of him that played rugby that was a plumber and this and that and all the boys Robert Walls brought the whole team out for a, they, you had our Sunday morning training right and they said oh, so it's your turn to pick what we do and so you so he had a Melbourne the night before when he went always was it? lived yeah. there <laughs> lived there Beach Road, the whole lot. No, we lived in service. And the best thing about going from... It's not great for your sporting career, is it? I tell you, one of the best things going from West Coast, where, where seriously, every, every single person knew you in... in yeah, Gobbles, yeah. Every single person knew you in WA, especially as the Eagles grew at the start. So by getting out of there, you had a Brisbane Bears on the Gold yeah. Coast. Mate, you could go out Friday night and they wouldn't have a clue who you were because it was so rugby. They would next morning when you wait with spray tan and glitter on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that gave you away a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, yeah, just uh, started building the house. Anyway, this morning, um, I think it was my turn to pick it, you know, someone to pick the beach or a park or something. And I said, we'll all meet out at my house, you know. And I got all the boys to put the ceiling in. So I just okay. got 30 blokes to hold the ceiling, one guy going, <laughs> bingo. So I just did things like that. And the boys would come out and put the roof on. No skills. We had one, one guy there helping us. They'd do it this way. And I find that amazing because Heinze, unfortunately, had his 50th only, was it two weekends ago? Yeah. And I, and I, mate, I'm not very handy at all, but around um, COVID times, I had this around my pool it collapsed so I decided to rebuild it and, and tile it it took me two years I finally finished but I did my back in so I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> even get it it's just come good it yeah. would have been easy to hire someone wouldn't it oh mate it would have been but they wanted yeah. 20 grand so I'm not yeah. paying that for yeah. anyone yeah. just hold it there as we're going to take a quick break John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry in 2003, he dreamed of producing a great tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. The new Elite Bet app has arrived. It's got all the betting features you expect and new ones you're going to love. Elite Bet is your one-stop shop on race day with Hot Bet, where you can back the tips of proven winning punters. Build fast sports multis and play same game multis. The Elite Bet app is the smoothest betting experience around. Trusted for 10 years, Elite Bet is 100% Australian owned. The only betting app you need this spring is Elite Bet. Gamble responsibly. If you're enjoying this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I spoke to another AFL legend, Michael O'Loughlin, and founder of Four Pillars Gin, Stu Gregor. We spoke about everything from booze to AFL. Um, now, Heinz, what, what are you up to now, mate? I know you're, um, you're Winston Langley, which is your property developing business. Talk me through that, and what are you doing there? Uh, well, I do um, property development and property advisory, so um, we do a lot of work with, uh, with clubs. Um, I've got um, a project at the moment, which I've had for a few years, with Harris Farm up at Taramara. Okay. Yep. So we're building a new um, Harris Farm up there. We've got another big project. I'm working with a couple of clubs to rezone some land to some houses and the like, but... 
I mean, you've got to be a persistent bugger in property development because it does take, I take on hard projects and um, they do take time, a long time, yeah. you know, and so, but um, if you believe in the vision and you can communicate it well, the processes are what they are, but, um, you know, I enjoy it and, uh, you know, just keep the, the wife thinks maybe you should do something a bit easier. Maybe just do one house rather than 130. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> and and Mark, I want to ask you about the. Um, I'm, I'm a massive Swans man, and I was bitterly disappointed with the with the final. Did you watch the final? And, oh yeah, and no, I, yeah, I have a squiz won. at the finals. Look, I don't watch that much footy because right. you just. Well, it's Melbourne, man. You don't yeah. have to watch it. It's no. everywhere. It's yeah. all over you. But the, yeah, the, the finals were quite. I was sort of pushing a little bit for Brisbane, obviously. The yep. yeah, Lions and and Fremantle because I'm West Australian yeah. um, but Sydney had a great year man and, and, and Geelong are being due like yeah they've tried and tried and tried I was just happy Melbourne or Richmond didn't win did it look, did it look like a boy like, I thought it was like boys versus men like I, I don't know the difference between how many games the Geelong blokes have played versus how many the Swans guys have had but it looked to me like player on player and I love the Swans like Shane yeah. I think, yeah. I think and, they've, and they've certainly it's a wonderful club mm-hmm. I just felt like they were man on man like that guy's got another 50, 100 games in than we did that's man what on, I thought boy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of finals I think you look at and and honestly you know we won a grand final for Subi but I, I think if you met the next week so just say yeah, right, yeah. you made a mistake you got a slow start you, you weren't on your game I would love to see them play. The, that's right. Yeah. Well, you can do that in baseball. You've got a seven-game yeah, World right. Series. So you see, I don't, you can't do it in footy. You die. But yeah. I swear, it's just they got the jump. Or, Momentum's massive. Yeah, and yeah. confidence and stuff because Sydney were playing so well. And, and if Collingwood got in, I thought they were going to be trouble, you know, if, they, if they'd made it, you know. Yeah. So it's a bit on the day. Mm. It is. Yeah, it's probably like you. You can go out and nick it, nick it, nick it, yeah. and then whack it in the middle. Yeah. yeah, the cricket's the same. Yeah, it is, mate. You, you bat, you bat, and you get. Yeah, I remember when Greg Chapel was going through edge, edge, edge. This guy's a legend, but he Seven just kept getting the edge instead of missing it. Yeah. You know, it's a fine line. But in, in baseball, if you hit three hundred, which means that every thousand times you go to bat, you get a safe hit three hundred times. You fail seventy percent of the time, and you're actually getting, you know, you're a star. You're a star. You know, yeah. in yeah. cricket, like, I, I stuffed like that. You know. I watch him play for a shot and miss it by a millimetre and then there's got to back up again and, and, and not, you know, whereas in baseball you got you can strike out six times in a row, think you're in a bloody slump and then you get three hits and then yeah. bang, you're, you're going all right, you know. Cricket's brutal. Bloody, bloody easy game, baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it looks easy, though, when you watch it on the telly. It, it looks casual. It looks... I reckon it's getting harder. They throw faster. The... And they know where your weakness is. And with all the, with the technology, you know, yeah. like I was talking about, you know, like this this Rap Soto technology that they've got now. You know, I can set up a pitching machine to throw a pitch to me. Like, um, okay, I want, I want, to, I want to. Maybe I'm trying to use a quick analogy, but I want say. Um, Clayton Kershaw curveball you know best pitcher for the pitch 30 million dollars a year for the Dodgers you can you can set the machine up to throw it that to you and it's like you know you'd never be able to do that when you're facing Andy Roberts or you know like those days are different now and so yeah you don't know I'll tell you what's different these days I want to ask you both this because I've got very strong opinions on it Um, the NRL has just come out recently and said that um, any kids playing boys and girls up to the age of 13 be no competition that's going to play there's no scores and they won't they're not allowed to tackle till halfway through under sevens 
What are your thoughts on that? What are we teaching our kids these days? Well, I suppose I'll put my head on. I'll put my head on the chopping block first, I suppose. Uh, I've got a mate who coaches uh, young kids in the footy, Johnny Gastev, great football player. His son plays down there in Mandra, and I went to see a game, and I said, uh, "You got a top four, mate? You know, like how he's going in the? Oh no, we don't have that." I said, "Well, you don't have a." Top, you don't keep points in the score. No, no, no. It's just all nice. So I, I don't know whether it. To me, yeah, we used to play under tens and then go up to under twelves and then up maybe under fourteens in one day. You know, because they were short and you were pretty good and you got to play higher. You take the score out. You take the board out. You take the the premiership out. You lose. Yeah, to yeah. me, you lose everything. You now, do. under sevens, who, who, yeah. do something else. Go yeah. swim down the beach and learn yeah. how to run and. Yeah. Well, learn your skills. I, was, I, I agree with the, the weight. The weight thing in the rugby, the weight yeah. is yeah. different because you can have a massive 13-year-old and you can have a little 13-year-old. So rugby's a little bit different. My, my issue, though, is, is that kids are getting picked too young and, and you get a, like, someone will come along and go, I'm watching your daughter play, for example, in, and she's, a, she's 10 or 11. We're gonna, would she like to come down to the soccer academy? Or do you want to come down to the Swans AFL Academy? And what happens is they get these kids specialising too young in a, in a sport, and then you have these kids who could otherwise be great athletes who hit 18, 19, they've spent their entire teenage years in, in academies. academies. I know. And, and not they, playing. And, and, yeah, and, they, and then you look at, say, I love the Swans and the Swans Academy, but there's got to be, say, I don't know, a thousand kids maybe, I don't know, that. and then you've got Callum Mills, Isaac Heaney coming out the other end, and then these other kids who probably could have done triple jump for Australia yeah, or yep. high jump, but they're our best athletes. Yep. And, and because of the power of the bigger sports, these kids don't go and play other sports. You will notice so, that with the women's. AFLW, you'll notice netball, yep. tennis, basketball, surf club, athletics, you'll watch them all suffer. Because yeah, it's yeah, coin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's a team. That, that individual thing I was talking about earlier, it's nice to be in a team where athletics is so solitude. But, but the problem is, if you're not, you're not keeping score up to under 13s and below, is the problem is that, like, you're an athlete, right? Any, anyone who plays professional sports is an athlete of such. But to be a sportsman, you've got to learn to win. And, and, and that's the difference between most who get to the top, right? That's yeah. the difference between the, the, the top 5 to 10% who know how to win, how to, how to grab that moment. If you don't learn that when you're a kid, when do you learn it? Yeah. It's going to be too late. It's just, and, and I think it's teaching them. Like, I understand that you want to be fair and get kids involved and keep them there. But like, I just think when, when they go into the real world in business yeah. and you know, the rest of the world are training and doing stuff more than our kids are doing, they're just going to get eaten up. I played in a lot of teams as a junior that got beaten by 20 goals. Yeah, and you learn something from that. Well, I'll tell you what, you still end up best player on the ground because you've got to play so well above. So you see a bit of cream rising from these teams yep. getting rolled. Yep. Okay, you've got your fancy guys in the big team, but you might have eight good players, but a champion on the, keeping right. this other team with his yeah. two mates yeah. or three mates, you know, and, and that does. It gives you inner strength. It gives you confidence. It gives you backbone, and, and it makes you modest. And modesty is so important in sport. You've got to be modest. My old man said, "Don't 
these blokes on the radio don't get me started on Kerry and and bloody um, um, Gary Lyon. Don't even get me started on them because I'll go off. But because modesty is everything, mate. I couldn't agree more, and that's why I'm such a great podcaster. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I ask everyone the same question on the show, and Heinz, I'll ask you first. A young boy or girl wants to go into professional sport, um, a professional sport that's based not in this country. What advice would you give them? Well, I think it's becoming more of an option for kids than what it was back in the day. Um, I, I think that if the parents are the kids like the example I use the chances of your kid making it as a soccer player or a golfer are so remote you know and, and because you have to have nothing or tennis players another good one you, you have to have nothing else you know because the people that are those successful, where do they come from? They have no other choices in their life. For a kid growing up in this lovely little country, we're here and, you know, this is all nice. you got to have that ruthlessness and that hunger. And and it's very hard for a kid that even has the opportunity to go to Nick Bolletieri Centre's camp in Florida or to go, oh, you sign with the Barcelona Academy, whatever. The reality is you, 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 it's so rare. So, so to a, a kid, but then you can't, of course discount that but my advice would be there's you know Australian Sports Commission the Olympic Games has 30 40 sports in it and I what I'd love to see is our kids playing a whole bunch of different sports as opposed to either being sucked up into AFL which is what ha- normally happens with anyone that's a good athlete and I'd love to see kids being having a chance to go and do some like who does modern pentathlon no one no. you know like who does no, the high jump triple jump like there's you know rowing there's you know the bunch of sports there that you can get international travel you can get an education from baseball you can go to college in America basketball's got a heap of Aussies playing in, in colleges overseas there's lots of sports that we offer here that you can do that but to be um, the, a Jason Day or a Cameron Smith you are very generational and, and it's not sort of a pathway that I think that it has a very realistic prospect of success. See, that's the problem, mate. Modern pentathlon has one event now. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mark, I ask you the same question. A young boy or girl wants to go into um, a career in the AFL. What advice would you give them? A uh, career in the AFL? Well, it's funny. My daughter, Tyler, she played soccer. Okay. She won everything at school. At 12 years old, she was playing Premier league soccer on the on the Gold Coast wow. striker killing it could have kept going her friends now play for the Matildas and that okay. but she wouldn't go to she wanted to play with her team she didn't want to go to that academy thing yep and then she I wanted to keep playing soccer and she swapped to AFL the three knee Ricos in three years uh, finished thing. great skateboarder great surfer but that running thing is over yeah right water polo mate yeah well she's a good <laughs> swimmer but but I, I, look I encourage anyone to aim at the top if you've got the opportunity to go overseas the amount of times with the fast running thing and I played a little bit of soccer at school and I watched Leeds United and Liverpool and, and I just go well, geez, I should have played I would have loved to have played international travel around the world like what a luxury so hey look I'd say go for it if you've got a good family sort of strength around your brothers sisters mum dad all that I love meeting the country boys that come to the AFL because 
you get out of rugby ball, mate, they throw it perfectly, they hit a tennis racket perfectly, they play yeah. great cricket because they play every sport in the country. You've got to play everything, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, it's the country. If you're playing, mate, we need a bloke. Come yeah. and play baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone did it. And, and I actually went to Christian Brothers School, you know, I don't know why, but Dad sent me there, you know. It was the only time I ever had short hair. I'll tell you that right now. And, uh, and yeah, don't You can't even... get called wild man at Christian that's, Brothers. That's right. That's right. And do not get me on religion because I'll go for an hour. But, but the, 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 the funny thing is, you know, like I, I play with so many good guys that could run long distance. I play with a guy uh, that we did athletics. His name was Luigi Dinamo. Yep. And he had Italian parents, really humble, d- didn't, just didn't do much. He beat Barry Akers, who ended up running in the Olympics by about 250 metres, under 17s, in the 1500. He beat him by that far, but he didn't know to go to nationals and to go to... He just didn't know that, you know, because his parents didn't know that. So I think a lot slipped through... Not so much now, they're on to you now. But in my day, so many guys slipped through the cracks that could have gone into well, these Nick, Nick, Nick other Nick 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 yeah. he's he, he, like, you know, getting him as a 12-year-old, how high he jumps, he, like, he could probably play... Basketball for Australia, rowing, volleyball, a whole bunch. What do you think? To your question that you asked, oh, no one's ever asked it back to me. But I, I think, I think play all sports. I think you yeah. learn a lot from other sports. Yeah. I think um, you've got to be ruthless. Um, and I think if the parents are driving the kid, the kid's not going to make That's it. That's right. Right. Like the, that. the, the kid will, will will pull the parents I along, like and, and they'll be waiting at the front gate like. I was, my brother Brett was, and my yeah. brother Grant were. Every day my dad came out from the steelworks, and poor dad was on a double shift, right? He's worked for 16 hours, and we're waiting now, and he took us to the cricket nets because we wanted to go every day. And you, you just got to do more, and you got to love it. Yeah, yeah you've got to love it. You've got to love it. Look, yeah. And you know, when it comes down to it, sport is only that. It's a sport. It's just a sport. It's a sport. It's I not say that all death. the time to people. It's not. Right. And if you win, great. If you lose, well, then learn something from it. Yeah, it. it's more the camaraderie and the friendships. And you know, know what it is? You gave a nice lunch now. We're so I want to thank you both for coming on Lunch With Lee. Um, great to catch up with you, Heinzy. You too, mate. And, Thanks for um, having me. And lovely to meet you, the wild man, Mark Sinotti. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, boys. Let, let's get into it. Absolutely, Joy. We're, we're at District Brasserie. We have a nice long lunch now and, a, and an O'Brien beer. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Wonderful. Thank you. That's it for Lunch With Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guests, Mark Sinotti and David Hines. Thanks to our sponsors, Barclay Pierce Capital, Elite Bet and O'Brien Beer. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, and do us a favour, hit five stars, and if you're passionate, please leave a review. Our official Lunch With Lee photography was done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And a big thank once again to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back next time with some more legends talking about sport, music and business. We'll see you then. Do-